Begins this hour of Flames Talk is underway. Welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe, Calgary's trusted locksmith for emergency unlocks and more. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. It's Steinberg and Ryan Pike along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, live right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Uh, you know where you can get us. And we're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Hi, Pike. How we doing? Hi, Pat. I haven't seen you in a little while. How you doing? I'm well. Uh, you uh, you went to development camp on Saturday for the three-on-three. I slept because uh, I um, got after it on Friday, so I, I took Saturday at development camp off. I was there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so I filled my quota. Uh, we'll, hit, uh, we'll hit development camp a little bit later. It is uh, your Stampede Monday and let's get into a very interesting topic to kick it off. Are you ready? Are you ready to go, Pike? I, I know this is we're we're about to talk about contracts and comparables and contract extensions, and that's right up uh, that's right up your alley. So I, I feel like you'll be excited and and dialed in for this conversation. Uh, well, I, I know you know everyone everyone and their dog has been talking about uh, the seven now six uh, pending unrestricted free agents on July 1, 2024, but. You know, there, there's a pretty important player becoming a restricted free agent potentially on that day as well. And that player, ooh, nice setup. That player is Dylan Dubé. And we have talked about Dylan before. If if you have listened to this program over the last number of months, if you've listened to any of our Flames Talk hours, I think you you know where I stand. And where I stand is Dylan Dubé, who is ready to be an restricted free agent at the end of next season. I think signing him as early as possible to a term extension is the way to go. When I say term, I mean long term, six, seven, or eight years. I think it is that that is the best move for the team and is something that I believe the Dubay camp would be amenable to. So I think a term deal for Dubay is the way to go. This was uh, GM Craig Conroy joined the, the Gents Monday morning. Francis and Russick on the big show on Monday morning. Uh, it's part of the Hour 3 podcast, and Francis asked about Dylan Dubay. This is the latest from Craig Conroy. His agent sat with me during the uh, first day of development camp. So, you know, that, that did come up, and we're going to, you know, continue to move forward. He's got some ideas. I have some ideas. So hopefully, uh, you know, we, we can get something done there with Dylan too because, you know what, he's just one of those guys that, that you win with. Just every year, best shit guy in camp. You know, with what he does around the city, as much he loves the Calgary Flames as much as anybody. So, you know, hopefully we can get something done with Dylan sooner than later. So, yeah, it was, and, and Dylan's agent is uh, Dave Cowan over at O2K. He's a Calgary-based guy. So uh, he and Craig sat down on Thursday for what I understand, like just some exploratory conversations now that Dylan is eligible to sign an extension at any time. And, and so here's what I understand kind of on, on both sides of this. So on the Dylan side and in Dylan's camp, um, yeah, I, I think that he is absolutely open, wanting to, eager to sign a long-term deal. I think he would like to be a member of the Calgary Flames. I think he'd like to be Calgary 
for the balance of his career. I think he'd like to be with the Flames for his entire career, but it's got to be a fair deal. He's, he's, I, I don't think that there's a whole lot of interest in taking um, a discount. I don't think there's a whole lot of interest in, in you know, not in, in siding way under market value just so that he can have that security. But he, I, I believe that he and his camp very much open to signing a long-term deal if it's in the cards. Um, you know, an eight-year deal, for instance, would buy him, and just double-check my math on this, Pike, an eight-year deal would buy five UFA years, correct? I think it's no an eight-year deal would buy six because uh, he's he has he's three years away from UFA, but he's under contract for one more year. Right. See, this is why I really wanted you to check my math. So an eight-year extension would buy six UFA years, and it would go down uh, by one every year. Uh, every by by every um, year it would go down by. So a seven-year would buy five, a six-year would buy four, so on and so forth. And obviously, the more UFA years you buy, especially in the prime of a guy's career, you're going to be paying a little bit of a premium on. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that the Dubay camp would absolutely be open to signing a long-term deal. I think Dubay wants to stay in Calgary. I think Dubay has a desire to be with the Flames for the balance of his career. He's one of those guys. Pike, we've talked a lot about guys who want to be here don't want to be here, guys who want to commit to the Flames, guys who don't want to commit to the Flames, so on and so forth. That has been a massive topic this offseason. Well, I, I I am quite confident that Dylan Dubé would be in the wants-to-be-with-the-Flames category. There's a lot of uh, gratitude for drafting him, giving him his start in his career, and I, th- I think that, again, on a fair deal, he'd like to be here. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's a Calgary kid. I mean, you know, he's he's I believe a Cochrane product. Well, he's a go- uh, he's a Golden product, Golden BC, who then moved to Cochrane and then uh, finished his minor hockey in Cochrane. Yeah, but he, you know, his his most formative years, you could argue, were in this area. Uh, when he was in his first NHL camp, he was staying with his parents. You know, he's you know he is as close to a Calgary guy you can get without being like you know born and raised in Calgary. And I think. You know, he's he's someone that I think playing for this team means something to him that it might not mean to as many other guys. And, you know, I think the the big challenge is, do you think he's a guy you can build around? And, you know, I, I think you've been pretty, pretty adamant that, yeah, he's a guy you can build around. I think he's a guy you can definitely build around. I just think my big question mark for him is because of the number of wingers the Flames have had ahead of him in the packing order, Goudreau, Kachuk. Tyler Toffoli, guys that aren't here anymore, he's sort of been a complimentary winger up to this point. And he's done a really nice job as a complimentary winger. He's played both sides of special teams. He's played a lot of different roles uh, at different points. He's been used at center at times, but I think his his strength is sort of on the wing. But if we can see him sort of carve out a more consistent role, I think, A, uh, everyone will be a little bit more comfortable throwing a lot of money at him long term. But I also think... With uh, with the year that uh, he might have had ahead of him and the opportunity he has with the aforementioned guys not being around anymore, you know, his, I think the the danger of waiting to do something with Dubay further into the season is I think every month you wait, I think that the the cap hit goes up a little bit because he seems like someone that could really take advantage of the opportunity this season. So the Flames, on the other hand also open to, I think, signing a, a long-term extension because I, I, I do think the Flames understand the value of signing a guy that they drafted and they developed. And 
I think there's also an understanding about the fact that you could have a cap-friendly deal as the contract goes along. I think that, you know, I I, uh, I threw out on an article on sportsnet.ca a few weeks ago, got a lot of flack from someone on, in, in, a, in, a, in a very productive way, but got a lot of, maybe flack's the wrong word, a lot of pushback on throwing out a number of six by six for a guy like Dylan Dubé on, on an extension. Um, but I mean, if you're going to go into the six, seven, eight years, you're going to have to pay a premium on some of those UFA years. And so... I think that with the cap going up here in a number of years, whatever the number ends up looking like, if you're the Flames, you you need to find that balance of something that makes sense for you on a term deal, something that makes sense that that you can fit into your cap, but that also does give you the potential upside of getting a cap-friendly number down the road. And I think that any player of Dylan Dubé's stature, where he is in his career, what you know the the contracts that he signed so far, I they understand that there might be that possibility as well, which is why you want to find that balance. And I, I always use the Rasmus Anderson example when talking about the Flames. You know, when they signed Rasmus Anderson, Pike, I don't know if that number that he's at right now was where like that. What he wasn't a four plus million dollar defenseman at that time when they signed him, but you're projecting and hoping that in in his case a six year deal in kind of years three, four, five, six, that that looks like a cap-friendly number. So if you're going six, seven, or eight on a Dubé deal in a similar circumstance, you're open for the same thing, that, you know, maybe he's not an X amount of million-dollar player in year one, but maybe in year three, four, and five, you're starting to get really nice value on that. And so that's why you have to make it a fair number and a number that entices the player at the time, but also gives you the potential upside on the back end as well. Yeah, and and on uh, on Twitter today uh, before our chat, I threw out some comparables. I I, I think that Yegor Sharangovich contract is a really nice sort of benchmark to look at for Dubé. I mean, I'm at the point now where with, when the Flames acquired Sharangovich, I went, oh great, it's Belarusian Dubé because they're really similar players in terms of how they're used and their skill sets. I, I think Dubé probably has a bit more upside, and I, I don't. I imagine the Flames probably feel similarly given how much affection they have for the player. But if you look at uh, Dubé's numbers, last three years, his numbers are pretty comparable offensively to Sharon Govich. Sharon Govich's deal is uh, $3.1 million over the next for each of the next two seasons. If you just factor in, if you say, oh, just give, just give Dubé the Sharon Govich deal, because of how the cap is going up, it's going to be probably going up 5% a year every year from now on, uh, starting uh, with the 24-25 season. So just cap escalation. If you just go, oh, they're the same player, they're just as good, you're looking at like a 3.3 or 3.4 million dollar contract for every year of Dubé. That's with buying just zero years of, of UFA. That's walking him to UFA. If you're trying to buy UFA years, you're especially for those first two three years that are you know your prime 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 years. Realistically, you're probably what adding a million a million five to the AAV for every year you're you're looking at. So you know if you're just looking at like a a five year deal for for Dubé. You know, you're probably looking at something in the vicinity of between five and six million dollars a year for your AAV. And at that point, if you're already buying, you know, you know, two or three UFA years, you know, you, you might start getting some value if you start adding extra years in the back end of that. I mean, it's do you know what a player is for eight years? Uh, you hope so. But I mean, I think they've used Dubai in enough different situations that they probably feel like they know some things about him that folks outside the market don't know. 
I just think that if if you're if you're the Flames, you have drafted this guy, you have developed this guy, you know him more than we do. To your point, you know him more than anybody does. You've got the best book on him in the entire world. So signing him to a long term deal and projecting and all that type of stuff, you're pretty comfortable with. And and I think the Flames would be comfortable in doing that. He even just heard Craig say. You know, they believe that's a guy that you win with based on all the other things he brings on top of the skating and, and the ability. Dubé's numbers have gone up every single year. You take a look at some of his underlying production numbers, you know, some of his five-on-five um, scoring rates, goals per 60, points per 60. They are quite strong compared to the rest of the team over the last number of years. I don't know. I, I just, I there's some real value in signing a long-term deal. Now, you got to figure out exactly what that number ends up looking like. And I was thinking a lot about this, and this is where it gets really interesting. You know, you have on the one hand, so if you sign a three-year extension, uh, you would be buying one UFA year. And so your three-year extension for Dylan Dubé would be probably a whole lot less than your six, well, definitely would be a whole lot less of your six, seven, eight. But I don't really know if there's a whole lot of sense in doing anything other than three years or the really long-term deal. Either go the three, buy the one UFA year, and then reconvene as you're going into year three and see where things are at. And that probably is going to look in the three-by-four, three-by-four point one range. Or go the long-term deal, which is going to push you into the high fives and, and be you know kind of flirting around six to your point about how many UFA years you're buying. Those are those are the two things that make the most sense, and and I could honestly see this thing going either way. I'm just for me, I think with a guy that you drafted, you developed, I think going long term is a really smart bet. But it doesn't always go that way. So if it doesn't go long term, I think both sides would be okay with going on a three year deal too. Yeah, and I mean if you look at this, if you look at the sequencing of deals, I mean. The benefit of going long is you don't have to do this dance again in a couple of years because, you know, we, we've already, you know, waxed poetic quite a bit of this station and elsewhere about uh, the summer of 2024. There are some decisions to make. Summer of 2025, you're looking at Andre Mangiapane. You have Govich up again. Uh, and then summer of 2026, you know, you're looking at Rasmus Anderson again. You're looking at Jake Markstrom. And then Blake Coleman's up the year after that. I mean... If you decide, oh, let's just deal with it later and bridge him, you're not really solving your problem. You're basically just making it more expensive, potentially long-term. If, if you think he's going to be the guy that you hope he can be, and he's progressing the way you think he can progress, uh, you know, it's a, it's always, roll, you know, it's a giant roll of the dice throwing money at any player for, for years into their you know, late 20s, early 30s. Because, you know, age does weird stuff to people, as you and I both know. But... At a certain point, you gotta you gotta figure out what guys you want to bet on and bet on them. And you know, he seems like the type of player, a homegrown player, a guy who can play a lot of different positions and situations. That if you think he's the guy for you, he's the kind of guy you need to lock in, right? And look, I mean, I know that not everybody agrees. For instance, Shane and Malin Heights says at nine sixty nine sixty, Dubay's replaceable. Shouldn't be signing him long term. Last couple of years can't crack the top six consistently. See, I disagree. I, I think that there is a lot there. I think that there is a lot to be said about how he has taken steps every single year. I think that he's skating. I think that his versatility, being able to play all three positions, I think the way that he's evolved as a penalty killer has has been really impressive. And I also think 
that his numbers are a little deceiving because he's barely seen the power play over the last three years. And, uh, you know, he's kind of... There were a number of times last year where it felt like there was some traction being made with number 29, and the next thing you know, he was on a uh, he was on a different uh, different line, or he was moved to the fourth line and played. So, like, I, th- there were a lot of strange personnel decisions made with Dubé over the last couple of years, and so I think that a little bit more consistency would help in this case as well. So I I'm on the other side. I think that he's not a replaceable guy. I think he's a guy that you've drafted, you've developed. Those are, and wants to be here, which I go back to underlining is a really important thing. Wants to be here, is willing to sign a fair deal here. So see what you can do and and try to keep a homegrown guy on your roster, which is something that hasn't always been the easiest thing for this group to do. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. There's two guys that are sort of in that, that 20s age group that I think, depending on how, you know, I think they're the two guys that I would say, Let's see how the first six weeks, eight weeks of the season goes and then figure out how to lock them down. Dubé and Oliver Shillington, because I think they're both, like you said, homegrown guys, guys that you've sort of seen progress. And I think having, you know, your analytics team and your your player development team be able to sort of benchmark these guys as they've developed, you know, they 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 did a really nice job both progressing and projecting Rasmus Anderson to the point where I think Anderson's deal is one of the you know the quiet steals within the NHL right now in terms of uh, value against the cap. I think if if you have faith in your in your your team's ability to project guys and to develop guys and then to lock them in long term, uh, I think they have the potential but to do that at some point early this season. Three times four would that be a good range on a three year deal? It feels about right, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I just say that feel like it would be a, a slight, it would be a slight raise. Um, and it would take into account the cap going up. Um, so yeah, I, uh, that, that, that seems like a decent range on a three-year deal. And then, I don't know, you're probably talking about high fives or into the sixes on a six to eight year deal. That also seems fair. And I know that people get mad at me for that, but just based on UFA years and all that type of stuff, that's probably what you're talking about in that regard. Yeah, and you know it's uh, you know like I said, the you buy one UFA year, you're probably going low four, and then you're going probably into low five, low six every year after that. So I mean, you know, it gets pricey. But if you believe in the player, you know, if you think he's going to be a guy that could be underpaid in three or four years as he develops, like like Rasmus Anderson is, then you know at some point you got to roll the dice. Uh, a few texts at nine sixty nine sixty. Um, this says, as Brian Lawton says, teams usually overvalue their own people. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. But I also think they're in a market like Calgary, there's a value in having guys who want to be here. There's also always a value of keeping guys that you've drafted and developed, in my opinion. Uh, this says if he's replaceable, that means he's also tradable. Give Dubé a shot. If it doesn't work, you can trade him and move on. There's a little bit on the text line at 960-960. Pat and Pike with you as this hour of Flames Talk is underway. Development camp all wrapped up. Uh, we talked a lot about development camp throughout the last week, no doubt about it. Uh, lots of really fun sit-downs. Marty Jelena, Jordan Sigalat, Matt Coronado, Lucas Siona. Really enjoyed some of our sit-downs from Windsport over the last week, but Wanted to get some takeaways with uh, Mr. Pike. You were there for the scrimmage on Saturday. 
Uh, what, uh, what, what jumped off the page to you? We'll bounce a few things off of one another when it comes to some of those takeaways at development camp, which I think it's important to say you have to take with a grain of salt. It's summer hockey. It is not a true evaluator. But uh, what jumped off the page? Anything for you? Yeah, I'll, I'll never say anybody looks bad in July because it's July hockey and you know the fact they're on the ice at all is good for them. Uh, I, I really came away impressed by Matt Coronado and by uh, Samuel Hanzik. Coronado is so like smooth and poised on the ice. And, you know, he, especially against some of these bigger college guys, he, he's, he's that big. He's, I think, listed at 5'10", and he looks every bit of that 5'10". But he's just so patient and so slick and so poised with how he handles himself with the puck and without the puck that, you know, he's he's very elusive. And I think that's a quality that, you know, really will help him going forward. And, and Hansik, you know, he, he looked like a guy who was a, a step ahead of a lot of the other guys in this group. Uh, he has that good shot. He has good size. He has good instincts. And he was sort of in the middle of everything whenever his group was on the ice for the scrimmage. So I think those are the two guys that really stood out for me. I came actually away also fairly impressed by uh, William Stromgren. I haven't seen a lot of him in person uh, since he was drafted simply because of the, the circumstances of the last two years. And, you know, I haven't been able to get to Europe to watch any hockey, nor do I. No, hey, you haven't, you haven't been able to go scout in Europe. And and even, even you know, on tape, it's hard to really figure out how guys will translate. But, you know, he's he's another one of those guys that just seemed like really composed in, you know, three-on-three summer hockey is just pure unmitigated chaos. And so you sort of notice the guys that seem to impose order on the chaos. And I, I'd say those three guys were probably the ones that did the most for me. I was talking to uh, somebody over the weekend about Coronado and Hanzek, because I'm with you. Those are the two that popped to me. Like, Hanzek's shot is, like, he can hammer that thing. It comes off his stick in a hurry. Like, it is on and off. It is accurate, and it flies. Uh, and, you know, having not seen a lot of Hanzek, just seeing him in person for the first time with the Flames organization, even in that setting, which, again, I think you always have to have a little bit of um, reality mixed in with what you're seeing. Dude can absolutely hammer it. That shot is ridiculous and was by far the best shot at that game. Like, that thing is elite, and that's one thing that you can see regardless of what time of year you're watching and what type of you know competition you're playing against. A shot is always very easy to pinpoint as a high-end tool, and he's got it. But on both sides, and, and Coronado to me just looked like a guy with confidence, even the way he carried himself. I ran into him in the stairwell at Winsport right now. He like he stopped me, shook my hand, and just, you know, had, like you're like, geez, okay, this guy's carrying himself even more so like a guy who's ready to turn pro, which he will be doing fully this year. And the like he has he's bulked up even a little bit more. You can tell he has been hitting the gym hard and he's looking to add a little bit more size and strength to that frame. And he just on the ice pike looked a little bit more confident than the last time we saw him in Flames colors because, you know, since that time he played 10 games at the World Championship against men in Europe. Like he's had he's had even more time to get confident and I think it portrayed itself on the ice. So what what I was talking to somebody and, and basically what they said was these guys look like first round picks and, and this person you know, pretty heavily involved in, in what's going to happen on the ice. And so there's a lot of excitement in the fact that these guys look like first-round picks. And that's what you want Coronado and Hanzek to look like. Is Hanzek going back to the Giants this year? Yeah, probably. But 
you know what? If this is as deep a draft as everybody's saying when it comes to high-end talent, maybe it's not that far off that we're talking about this guy competing for an NHL spot. And I think circumstantially and what we've seen from him, I I think Coronado has got a great chance to make this team out of camp come September and October. I really, really do. Yeah, fully agree. And, and the the thing with Coronado is he has that shot, but people who, who I talked to covered him, uh, you know, in junior and earlier in his career, uh, as, when he was on his way up, they raved about sort of his ability to just be a sponge. And, you know, just think about him just over the last couple of years. I mean, he was at Harvard with a really good program with a really good coaching staff there who have put guys in the NHL. And then he comes to Flames camp and, you know, just doesn't play a ton but gets to work and practice and be around the the big club and sort of figure out what the standard is. Then he goes back to school. Then he goes to the world championships and gets to play in, you know, high leverage minutes with a good team with a different coaching staff. And then he gets to come to this kind of a venue where he sort of gets to benchmark himself against some of, you know, the Flames top prospects, especially guys, you know, who have played professional hockey the last year or two. You know, I, I think having those those experiences to sort of draw on and to use to grow. Even, you know, the, the idea that he has, what, eight weeks left of the summer to get ready for training camp? He he seems like the type of guy to me that will take what he's learned over the last month, two, three months, and just go back home and do what he can to maximize it. And he, you know, I think there's a lot of people looking at the the gaps in the Flames roster and going, whoa, there's a there's probably a spot there for Matt Coronado to take if he wants it. And Well, you're saying they don't have a natural scoring right shot, right wing threat right now? Oh, goodness, no. And honestly, There's no you know, knock they, on Walker Dewar either, but he's the only they, other right let's, shot. Let's be completely honest here. Oh, if Tyler DeFoley was still on the roster, I still think Coronado would be given every chance to Agreed. play onto the team. But I think Coronado, he, he's very well aware of the opportunity in front of him. And he seems hungry, and he also seems extremely aware of, you know, what's in front of him and the, the things they'll need to do to get there. And, you know, a lot of guys, when, when that opportunity is in front of him, it can seem a bit too big for them. But he seems like someone who is really, really well attuned to what's going on and what he needs to do. Um, and I really, Wes, Wes made this point last week on the show, one of the one of the hours. They're going to give him, I bet you they're going to give him a ton of opportunity in preseason action and in training camp. Like when we're talking about, you know, they don't, I, I, I doubt Ryan Huska will keep the same lines together throughout all of training camp, but Usually you see two or three, one or two different iterations of top six, top nine lines throughout camp and and then a few more in preseason games. I bet you Coronado is getting all kinds of opportunity playing with Huberto, playing with Lindholm, playing with Kadri, just to see what is there and to see if he's ready to get that opportunity right off the hop. It's going to be really interesting to see. He's Pike. I'm Steinberg. We're underway this hour of Flames Talk. Pike's on Twitter at Ryan and Pike. And we're coming at you this hour from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet Basement, they have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite. NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. 
Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This hour continues on a Monday. So when the Flames drafted Sam Hunzak 16th overall in Nashville just a, a little under two weeks ago, I uh, got a text immediately from a Sportsnet colleague over in Vancouver. And he goes, hey, great pick. And uh, here is uh, Barclay Parnetta's number. He's the GM of the Vancouver Giants. You should bring him on. Uh, so we brought Barclay on. He was the first guy we brought on for some instant reaction to the Flames selecting Sam Hunzek in the first round. And uh, Barclay was at the draft. He was there at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. So we talked for six or seven minutes, got a, uh, an instant reaction to Hunzek coming to the Flames. Well, since that point, uh, the Flames have also drafted another member of the Vancouver Giants is Jaden Lipinski went in the fourth round of this year's draft as well. So I thought, you know what? Good, good idea. Good time to bring Barclay back onto the program. He's the general manager of the Western Hockey League's Vancouver Giants. Barclay Parnetta joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline right now. Barclay, good to talk to you again, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for getting me on again, man. Pretty soon I'll be able to be called a friend of the show here. Yeah, no kidding. You're just, uh, just Flames got to just keep on taking Giants players. And the, the two Giants went in the 2023 draft. They both went to the Flames. Uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty good day for your organization, hey? It was. We'll keep pumping them out if they keep picking them. No, I, I was really proud of the, uh, you know what? It, it sort of gives the kids the sort of... Uh, recognition that they've been working towards and I'm really happy that like I said earlier the coaching staff that we have really helps prepare these guys and will continue to so just really proud day for the organization and I still think you'll see a few more kids off that age group too either going in the next year uh, or re-enter or even sign contracts so I'm really happy uh, with the direction we got the team going here. Well, and, and I want to reset kind of the, the comments that you had on, on Sam Honzak right away because um, when, when people heard them that Wednesday night, they were super excited at kind of the, the things that you were talking about. Uh, you, the, before you got into any of the on-ice attributes that Honzak brings to the table, it was all about the character and the type of person he is. Uh, reset that. Why, why should Flames fans be so excited about the, the guy that they're bringing into the organization? in Sam Hunzek. Well, I don't know how much coverage he got or how much press he got in Calgary over the last week at the development camp, but just, you know, I, I had the chance to sort of watch a couple of the things, and you could just see the way he speaks. Like, he knows there's work to do. Like, he's listening to Jerome Ginla, and he's, he's invested in getting better, and he doesn't think he's already ready to step on and, and become a pro instantly. And that speaks well to sort of the reality of, where players at as far as their development goes. Too often, we see these guys coming in and thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to step right on and I'll play on the power play right away in the NHL. And they don't realize how hard it is. And, and Sam has got the character and the wherewithal to continue to work through it. And again, like I, I hope that was the impression the fans got, but I certainly, uh, I would bet money that if anybody met him, they would have walked away going, that was a really refreshing take on a young man. He uh, he's set to be your captain next year. Tell us about kind of the the qualities that make him captain uh, material in a league like the Western League. Well, we haven't named our captain yet, but certainly he would be the front runner uh, for that position. Uh, both him and Jaden, who the Flames drafter, are are big leaders on our team. But certainly, based on what Sam has done previously last year. The captain qualities he has is just that genuine uh, 
ability and, and knack to work hard and bring people up. He doesn't cut corners. He's at the rink early. Just leads by example, and he has an infectious positive attitude that really, like I said, it's, it's just fun to be around him, and he loves the game, and it really pours out. Yeah, and I, I should say that the um, the Flames are excited about the prospect of, of Sam potentially being the captain of the Vancouver Giants for next year. So uh, I, I will say that. But, yeah, there's there's definitely those captain qualities. And then having the opportunity to – I did not see I did not see the Giants up close and personal in Calgary last year. And so getting an opportunity, as you mentioned, to be at development camp and watch him with my own two eyes for the first time, the thing that jumps off the page right away, Barclay, is – this guy has got some kind of shot. Like, it just absolutely explodes off his stick. Tell us about some of the on-ice attributes that Flames fans will really like in a guy like Sam Honzek. Well, obviously, he's got the frame to be a power forward. And, and the most unique thing about him, when you... And, and I actually, it took me out of my seat this year because he literally... You'll watch him carrying the puck up ice. I'll be like, yeah, okay, he looks like he's... Going. And then all of a sudden, he splits the D-man and he's on a breakaway. You're like, whoa. It looked effortless, and it wasn't like he's digging down and powering through. He's literally just like full full stride, boom, right by guys, and I, I think he's deceivingly fast. His ability to protect the puck, he goes to the hard areas, and he really competes. And I know those all sound cliche, but if you don't do them, it's very obvious at the junior level or the pro level, and Sam definitely goes to the net. So what is the, uh, what's the expectation as he comes back for his second year with the Vancouver Giants for next year? Like what, what are you expecting from him in year two with your, with your squad? Well, we're, I mean, we're expecting him to continue where he left off. Uh, we're expecting to work with Calgary and anything that they would like us to help develop with him. I know I haven't spoken to Craig yet, but. I'm friends with a number of the, the scouting staff, and I know them all very well, particularly the Western guys. So uh, just being involved in his development, making sure he's prepared to make that jump and he does things the right way, which he pretty well already does. It's just refining more, maybe getting a little uh, more power play uh, time where he's a little more dominant on the power play, uh, rounding out his defensive game. He'll kill penalties as well. And, and really, I'm confident that our staff will do that. We've done it a number of times already since since I've been here and previously before me. It's a, a program that tends to put a lot of guys in the NHL and for, set them up for success. So we'll just keep doing that, really, is all we're going to do. Okay. We're, uh, we're chatting with Barkley Parnetta. He is the general manager of the Western League's Vancouver Giants, talking about the uh, two gents who the Flames selected in the 2023 NHL draft. Of course, Sam Honzek was their first-round pick. And then uh, Jaden Lipinski goes in the fourth round. So we have an opportunity to uh, talk to you about him. First of all, how excited were you for Jaden to see him get his name called in Nashville as well? You know what? I, I, I mean, I knew it was coming. Uh, anybody that watched them knew it was coming. Uh, I think they got a steal of a pick in that round. I really think, uh, you know, Sam will probably jump into the NHL quicker, whereas Jaden may take, you know, a year longer. But he's got every attribute that you need to have in this game as far as his puck protection. It's pretty incredible how he can get the pucks on the string with him. His ability to pass, his ability to protect the puck and walk out of the corner is incredible. You know, his, he's still developing physically, uh, and he's just going to get bigger and stronger. I mean, he already has the six-foot-four frame yep. and a big, good stance. And he, once he gets that balance and stuff, it's really going to be – he's going to be a hard player to stop. And, and 
he's really worse. I'll tell you a story about, about Jaden. I pulled into my office uh, where I had our practice facility in Ladner last year, and it was a rainy day. It was probably 7.15 in the morning. I see this kid walking back from the lacrosse box that's next to our rink. And I'm like, who is this? And I look, it's Jaden. I go, Lipper, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I just, I just came to work on my shot. He had the bucket of pucks, and he had been out there already before I go to school. I was like, are you kidding me? That's unreal. I said, all right, buddy. All right, I'm going in. But that's the type of kid he is. Nobody took him there or told him to do it. He's doing it on his own. So, Barclay, how'd you, uh, how did you as the, the Giants find him? He's an Arizona guy. He was, playing, uh, he was playing his minor hockey in California. He was playing his uh, minor hockey in Arizona. Like, how do you find a Scottsdale product and, and bring him into the Western League? How did you identify him and, and bring him north of the border? Well, we actually scout that league quite heavily. There's been a lot of players that have come out of the Tier 1 U.S. Elite League that have sort of come up through our league and excelled. Uh, uh, and we were fortunate enough, we actually went to go watch Colton Lankow, Damon's son, who was we had drafted the previous year, and Jaden was playing with him. And Daryl Lanning, who was my director of scouting at the time, he actually went the day before and he came back uh, to the hotel. He says, man, there's another guy on that team we should go watch tomorrow, or you got to go see too. And I walked in, I was like, holy Daryl, like, this guy's good. I was like, were there any other scouts here last night? And they said, well, he said a couple. But So we literally put him on our list because he was a free agent at the time. And again, the, the, the benefit of having going to watch Colton play, we got to him and we talked to Damon Lankow. And, and even Damon thought he was on somebody's list. He couldn't believe it. So I said, well, we're going to put him on our list. And, and the rest was sort of history. COVID came. He actually played a full season during COVID because down in Scottsdale there, they actually played 70 games that year. It wasn't like up in Canada where we were shut down and uh, just continued to excel. And we did a sort of stayed in touch with them, recruited them over a Zoom interview. And he said, I'm all in. I want to be a pro and I'm coming to Vancouver. So that was awesome. You, uh, you talk about his frame, 6'4". He's just over, listed at just over 200 pounds now, but you know a guy at that frame can keep on putting on size and strength. And um, So I'm really curious to see where that goes. Is that, is that kind of, and, and you know, you, you are a junior hockey guy. You know how these guys, how, how they make those jumps from year to year to year, and they can be really, really pronounced. Is, is that the biggest thing that we saw? He went from 17 to 51 points from year one to year two with the Giants. Was, was the biggest part of that just him growing more into that frame? Absolutely. It was him adjusting to a, a WHL game, but understanding more because the previous year, uh, you know, size and strength, it was a little bit harder for him to fend people off or maybe turn out of a, a tight turn in the corner and rip up. And, and he worked hard that summer. And I think you're going to see uh, the transition from the, the, our last game to the, our next game at the start of the season, the same thing, because I know, he works, and he works at it off the ice. He's in the gym every day. Like I, he has a pro mentality, comes from a very high-achieving family, uh, and you don't have to push this kid. He's doing it himself. Like, I don't ever have to worry if he's in the gym down there. I know he's good to be in the gym and come prepared. And like I said, it's almost that pro mentality already where he knows there's a lot more to do than just step on the ice and dangle around. So for Flames fans, how uh... – how much could they, how much should they be potentially excited for or expecting both Sam and Jaden, who were your number two and three scorers last year, to be playing a lot together this year? Like, is that something that we might see a lot of on the Giants? I think you will. I mean, obviously, ultimately, the coach gets to choose that, and, and it really 
what's best for our team, but certainly together they're dynamic and they're going to be almost unstoppable with their size and strength. So whether we spread it out or keep them together, I, I'm not sure. You know, Sam can play center, but we had him on the wall, and, and Jaden is mo- more of a natural centerman. So, you know, they're definitely going to play on together a ton. But uh, I would expect that if any Flames fans happen to catch us this year, wherever we are, you're going to see a lot of those two guys playing for us. Okay. Okay, that is exciting. Just a couple more with uh, Barkley Parnetta. He's the general manager of the Vancouver Giants. Flames drafted a pair from the Giants this past draft in uh, Sam Honzek and uh, Jaden Lipinski. Um, just you, you talk about it. I, I give us a, a little bit of a sense now that you know you've got these two guys. You you you'll obviously have on on a junior franchise as successful as the Giants have been. You'll always have different guys who have been drafted in the NHL. But what's the process then for when you get direct? from the NHL team and you know certain things that they'd like their player to to work on or or have developed what's the process in terms of how you communicate with the NHL teams of, of guys that you now have on your team well more often than not like there's already relationships like whether it's somebody that you know of, whether it's like Jason Taylor Rob Sumner or, or or any of the people from the Flames organization Typically, we'll see like a development guy come through and uh, we make their players accessible and we'll sort of let them come and hop on the ice if they want with our, their guys and anything that they want to work with them. And then we will also, when those development people come through, they'll come down to the coach's room after. They'll meet with us, say, hey, this is where his game at. This is what we'd like to see. Or what do you see? Or what have you guys been, is he working? And they just sort of check in and follow up to make sure that they're doing the right things. And, and like I said, I think that, we have a fairly good reputation of, of helping kids become pros, so there's a little bit of trust from NHL teams. And every team's different. Some teams we, we may not see at all. Uh, I expect to see Flames people quite a bit with two of their sort of prospects on our team this year that I think you can expect a lot of big things from down the road. I, I think both these guys are going to play. Like, I think both of them are going to play in the NHL. And in an NHL draft, when you're getting players that – I don't want to say sure things, but you really can see that there's something there and, and that believes that they're going to let you believe they're going to play. That's a really good, that's a really good thing. I think they did a great job, obviously bias, but man, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be kicking themselves that they let Jaden slip to the fourth, to be honest. Yeah. Very neat. Last question for you, Barclay. Uh, last two years, your group's uh, been in the playoffs. You've taken some uh, steps forward in terms of, you know, the, uh, the, the regular seasons. You've taken some steps. What, uh, what's in store for your group this year as you've got some of your key players entering even more of those prime ages in the Western League? What can we expect from the Giants this coming season? Well, we expect more. We expect to take another, another step forward. I think that we've been fortunate that we've been able to maintain sort of a playoff status while trading captains away and acquiring a number of picks. We had three first-round picks that are all going to step into our lineup this year in the 2007 draft. We had two last year, and then we have still even more. We still have uh, seven more first-round picks in the next three years. So I think you're going to see the coverage stock and, and, and a real, hopefully, I mean, if everything goes well, there's some other teams in the league that are in similar situations, Prince Albert, Everett, that will be battling with Medicine Hat are a really strong team that's up and coming and have a lot of good players, but I expect us to be in the mix uh, starting next year right on and, and hopefully you guys hear from the Giants a lot and 
if we're able to come out there, maybe even get a meet in person at, at, in two years from now. Yeah, absolutely. Would uh, absolutely uh, would absolutely be all, all over that. Really appreciate the time, as always, Barclay. It was awesome talking to you in Nashville, and good to uh, talk a little bit more at length today. There's a couple of uh, pretty exciting prospects for the organization playing for the Giants next year. So enjoy the rest of your summer. Hey, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, enjoy the stampede. I wish I could be there. I I, uh, I can tell you I already have and will continue to do so. <laughs> That's good. And you still showed up for work. That's impressive. Exactly. you got to play hurt sometimes. Uh, thanks, Barclay. <laughs> really appreciate the time, man. Uh, thanks to Barclay Par- Parnetta. He is the uh, general manager of the Vancouver Giants. He joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. Um, yeah, you know, the that that Hanzek pick, I, I was really impressed with what I saw. And again, I, I've, I've been able to and have had the the privilege of going to development camps for you know more than a decade now i've been i've been to a lot i've been whether it was don hartman or whether it's been at Windsport. uh they've had them all i think they even i believe west side they've had them at before anyway my point being that yeah the, the more you go to a development camp the more you understand that it's summer hockey, and there's only so much that you can take away from your in-person viewings. You're not gonna be you're not gonna be able to make anything close to a full-on evaluation of a player in any of what you see at a development camp. But you can certainly see like I remember the first time I saw Johnny Gaudreau at a development camp. It was at the Don Hartman Sportsplex, and I, I remember watching it was freezing cold in that rink. And I remember watching that kid who had just been drafted in the 2011 draft. And here is this, like, you know, Johnny, we all know, has always been a smaller player. He was even smaller then. You're like, but this this guy was special. You could tell he could do things that other players couldn't. And he just had a certain skill set that you're like, whoa, there's something special there. No idea if it's going to translate to the NHL, but you don't usually see those things with, you know, players at development camp. And that's the exact thing, same thing I came away with, with, with Hanzek, especially just that shot. You can, if, if you, if you go and watch a practice of any level of hockey, one thing that we can all pick out is what level of shot a guy has got. And does he have an NHL caliber shot? You can tell that whether it's at development camp, you can tell that whether it's um, in a, an American league practice an NHL practice, you can just tell when a guy's got a shot and uh, yeah, Sam Honzek, that guy can absolutely hammer it. So look, uh, it'll be interesting to see him in the preseason this year. I'll be really, I don't, I don't think we're going to be talking about Hanzek pushing to make the team. Boy, that would be a cool story, but I don't think we're going to go into training camp in September with that as the expectation. But I am still really curious to see how his game size and that shot translates to preseason hockey come September because you know 
he will get some sort of a look when you get to uh, when you get to training camp and preseason, and he'll definitely get those opportunities. As we start to wrap things up this hour, uh, thanks to Taylor, thanks to Azam, thanks to Shan for being with us on this hour, making sure everything uh, hits and uh, everything runs properly. Thanks to Ryan Pike. He's on Twitter at Ryan and Pike, and thanks to Barclay Parnetta, the general manager of the Vancouver Giants. We wrap up this hour, which has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe, Calgary's trusted locksmith for emergency unlocks and more. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.